Welcome to the uh, Epicenter West LA podcast. Uh, we're back here. I'm Jamal Corner with uh, Pastor Lawrence. How you doing, Pastor? Hey, I'm excited about today. We have a people may not know this. We have a special guest today. We do have a special guest today. A uh, very valued member of our congregation, uh, Miriam Yamani. Uh, we brought her on today to specifically talk about an encounter night that we had uh, recently. Um, where uh, Pastor uh, Eric uh, Masterson came and really gave a prophetic word to everyone, and specifically to Miriam. We thought it would be uh, kind of revealing to have her come on and talk a bit about her, her experience. So, Miriam, if you could just start off by just telling us a little bit about what you encountered on that night. Can, can I just do? Can I just interrupt real quick, real quickly? Sure. You want to say hi, Miriam? Yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead. Go right into the mic there. Hi, everyone. I'm the valued and what was the other word special? That's right. <laughs> Member Absolutely. of the center. As, as we're actually so going to hear, as we're actually going to hear, that to be true to be the case, you know? So thank you so much for having me. I feel very unworthy to share this stage, but I am here. Well, here's, let me give some backstory. Um, you know, for those of the people who were at Encounter Night, even those who were not, um, you know, Eric Masterson came up, and, and here's what people don't really know is, um, he came up, and I think he was going to do something else, and then the Lord stopped him in his tracks, and he kind of saw you. He saw this this girl in purple and called you up here, and it was such such a powerful experience, uh, especially for those that obviously knew you, Miriam, in your life group, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get to in a second. But mm-hmm. it was actually really powerful for people who didn't even know you. I was mm-hmm. standing on the side, and it was a sobering moment for me where I was just experiencing the power of God, mm-hmm. where I was like, the reverence of God hit me. You know, I'm like, I'm supposed to be leading this thing, but I feel the reverence and awe of God right now. And I think a lot of people had that experience. And so my wife came to me, of course, always after the event, and she's like, hey, it would have been really great if we can call, could have called Miriam up during the event, toward the end, maybe after she's processed things, even if it was still raw, just so people knew what took place. And obviously this was after the event, so I thought this would be really good as a podcast to talk about it, mm-hmm. because now we've had some time to process. It's been... Uh, a week, right? It's been a week. This yeah. is Thursday. So yeah, exactly. it's been a week, and I mm-hmm. think it's good now to hear a little bit about what's happened. And I think it would encourage the body. So thank you for being our special guest today. And then we'll jump back. Uh, Jamal, go ahead and ask your, your question again. Sure. Uh, yeah, just uh, thanks for the context. I wanted to have Miriam start by just talking a bit about uh, what she encountered uh, when the Lord called upon her. It's good. Um. Well, let me just say that I went to Thursday night not um as Jamal knows I don't read the emails very well <laughs> so I, I didn't know what to expect Me you know Steph work hard in those emails <laughs> I, know. I knew there was a meeting and it was everybody together and there was a a prophet that was coming and I was like oh I'm gonna learn more about prophecy and literally that's all I came in <laughs> thinking good. and um I do remember when you introduced him and he kind of didn't come up and I was like oh that's weird but okay and he whispered something in your ear, and, and he left. And we were like, okay, I guess we're just going to have a worship night. <laughs> so then I literally had my eyes closed and head bowed. And um, so when he called on me and said, hey, with the purple jacket, I literally was like, okay, he's going to do some kind of demonstration like the preachers do. Like, hey, you see this girl? And uh, let's say there's another guy, and she's trying to minister to him. You know, like just kind of like one of those things. Oh, like kind of how to sp- move in the prophetic. Yeah, just or like something. A, a you know, Almost just like a prop. Exactly, okay. exactly. So my expectation was nothing, like literally. And um I shouldn't say nothing. I I wanted to learn about prophecy, but I wasn't. I definitely wasn't expecting me um, for God to speak anything over my life at all. So it totally caught me off guard. So I guess if I had to describe one word, it was just like very humbling and very just surprising. 
I guess it's two words, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what happens? So he, uh, so just to give some context on Eric Masterson, I don't know if he'll ever listen to this podcast, but um, you know, him and I, we've we've spent some time together. I don't know him super well, but when he came up there before he called you up, when he came up there. Um, it was just so funny because you're watching this and you felt it was kind of awkward. And it was in the best sense, you know, it was like, hey, I'm asking Eric, hey, you ready to go? He's like, yeah, man. So he comes up and I'm, I'm introducing him in classic fashion, having everyone like clap for him. And he comes up there and he pauses and he turns to me, he goes, can we do some more worship songs? And I go, yeah, sure. <laughs> and he just goes away. <laughs> right? It's just funny because he went in front of everybody, whispered in your ear and then left. And so totally. we were all like, what Wait, happened? What? Yeah. Yeah, he was just asking, can we do some more worship mm-hmm. songs? And I think he, he really, to me, is, you know, just exemplifies the prophetic, mm-hmm. one who's just sensitive to what the Father's speaking to him, even if it's awkward to us. Mm-hmm. He's really just dialing in. So mm-hmm. I just really appreciate mm-hmm. that about him. So in yeah. this particular, walk us through what happens. So he comes up there. Like, what does he say, and then what does he proceed to do? Um, yeah, so like I was saying, I was just, you know, when he said, let's do more worship, I was like, okay, let's do more worship. So we're all singing, and um, I sat down, and I was just, you know, singing the songs and thinking about it in, in worship mode. And I actually had my head bowed and eyes closed, and he came up, and I don't remember the exact words, but it was, you know, you know, does anybody know her name? You were in the purple jacket. And when he said purple, that's when I was like, wait, I think I'm wearing a purple jacket today. <laughs> and I looked up and he's pointing at me. And I was like, oh, what? Okay, this is weird. But okay, I'm right here. I'm like second row. So mm-hmm. maybe, you know, kind of the same thing I said. I <clears throat> Maybe he's trying to like, you know, use me as a prop. So I go up there and then um, that's when I realized, okay, I don't know if he gave some sort of in- instructions or an in- introduction <clears throat> and said, um, I want to speak um things over your life and he started doing it and I just felt very shocked like really God are you sure you got me like you sure he wasn't someone else is it because I was sitting on the second row did I look at this guy earlier like in my head it was all kinds of like you got the wrong one like are you sure so initially that was my thought process what were a couple of the things that uh, he said I know in a moment we're going to play actually a clip of the recording so uh, people can hear precisely, but what were a couple things that really struck the core of you that he told you? Um, you know, like as I was saying, like there was a lot of self-doubt. And, um, you know, when I was young, I wanted to go into missions. Specifically when I was 16, I told my mom that like, I want to do missions. I don't want to do anything else. Um, when I graduated high school, I was just waiting on God. Like, where do you want me to go exactly? Where do you want me to go exactly? And when I felt like I didn't hear specifics, I just kind of said, oh, okay, whatever. Let me just pick a career. And I've been in my career now almost 10 years. And, you know, I just forgot about it. Hmm. I forgot about those desires that I had and those, you know, that passion that I had. And so a lot of it was him affirming those things and saying, God heard your prayer from so many years ago. Um, And so it it really caught me off guard because I was like, are you sure? Like, I thought I was too old. I thought that was, you know, child's dream. Like, Mm -hmm. that was when I was like really on fire for God. And like, you know, it was really shocking to hear that. And um, specifically when he said, you know, you have a heart for um, a specific type of like part of the nation, you Mm -hmm. know. Like a people um, group. People group. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it was. Um, My small group knew I shared my testimony a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, being an Eritrean and having a 
desire and heart to reach Eritreans, and that's always been, always been in my heart. I've gone to mission crew groups and things like that involving Eritrea, and just really felt like, okay, I didn't, I didn't know where to take this, you know, and and just felt like, okay, let me just put it in the back burner again because life again happened. Right. Um, and so him affirming those passions and dreams and desires within me, and um, you know, speaking those words in my life was very overwhelming. Right. I just, I've never experienced like anything like that growing up in a church where, you know, it was more conservative. Sure. Um, I, it just, again, I was just processing and thinking about at some point, I don't know if you saw me, I was just shaking my head like, no, no. Are, what? Were you sure? Are you sure that was back in the days? <laughs> no, no. And then I, those words that you said earlier on actually kept coming into my head, like, okay, receive it. And enjoy it, cool, receive yeah. it and enjoy it. And then so I remember good. like I was still shaking my head and then I raised my hand as I'm shaking my hand. I'm like, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes. You know, like <laughs> I'm accepting it, Lord, but I have so many questions. And are you sure, Lord? And wow. and and then as I was saying those things, um, the last thing that really impacted me or, you know, one of the main things I remember was when he was like, I came here to tell you this message. God had, you know, this program stopped just to tell you this message. And that just... That killed me. Like that just humbled me where I was like, no, like really? Like me? I think you, you, I think sure? you fell to the ground at some point, right? It just was overwhelming. Crumbled to the ground. It was overwhelming. It yeah. was literally overwhelming. I've never, you know, because it was just like I, he heard my doubt even. He wow. heard the things even I was struggling to accept because it wasn't like I was saying yes, yes. I was just crying out of confusion initially. And then I was crying because it was true, certain things. And then I was I was fighting with it and accepting it. Yeah. And then it was just like I had to get down on like I couldn't stand because I was just like I, I I don't know this is crazy you right. know <laughs> like and and the fact that you're doing this in front of everybody like Lord is this because you know I have a tendency to doubt you and now I have all these witnesses and they know <laughs> they're gonna you know so it Keep was you accountable now yeah so it was a lot I'm gonna, I'm just gonna play some of this recording so um, we can kind of be up to speed with you and then also for the listeners as well and the Lord has heard your prayer because you carry the heart of God. But his heart is broken for the lost. And he's called you to be an evangelist and a preacher. And there have been people who told you you couldn't do it. There's been, even in your family, people have told you you couldn't do it. But the Lord says that he believes in you. He believes in you and you're gonna do it because you have this heart for adventure. You have this heart for adventure. Lord has marked your life. I just hear Isaiah 6 over you. You say, here my Lord, send me. And I feel like you've prayed that prayer and the Lord says, you just wait because I'm sending you to the broken. I'm sending you to the orphans. And there's a nation in your heart and the Lord says, yes. There's a people group in your heart and the Lord says, yes. Because your heart has cried out for a people group. Broken your heart for a people group. And he's empowering you to reach them. And you say, Lord, how will I reach them? It's just me. It's just me. But the Lord says it's not just you, it's you and him. It's you and him. And do you see how the Lord stopped this meeting just for you? He would have had me come here just for you. Because you are that important. Because in your life you haven't felt important. You felt looked over and you say, God, choose the next person. You're like a Gideon where you say, God, like, I can't do this.
there's so much weakness in my body and you went through a season where you got really sick too and it's like there was this weakness in you okay so <laughs> can we go back a little bit yeah. um it's particularly about um the calling to evangelists and, and preaching because um, you you had shared with me I think after the night um I guess the story about your mom and obviously we're not we're not saying anything negative about your mom I think sometimes adults mean well but as mm-hmm. kids we we take them like like I always say um kids are great observers but not great interpreters so your mom probably didn't mean to crush your dreams but yeah. was being practical yeah and so you were kind of sharing that with me that um, you know when I think Eric gave this word about you being an evangelist, being a preacher, um, wanting to do missions. I think he even used Isaiah 6, mm-hmm. which is kind of your classic, like, here I am, send me. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear more about that backstory and, you know, what you felt like he meant when he said there were people who said you couldn't do it. Um, again, oh, sorry. Um, I guess just thinking about my life, um, about how, you know, I grew up very churched, going to church at some point, serving and. Both of the churches, one was American, one was Eritrean, and full-time serving at both places and just get got burned out and stopped. Um, and when I stopped, I felt really disconnected. I mean, as you know, when you prepare for sermons is when you really learn the Word of God. You know what I mean? And so I, because I felt disconnected, and then I did the whole travel nursing thing, and I think it was me as well that felt like, okay, this was an old calling where when I was 16, I really wanted to serve um, got 110% where I didn't care about anything. Um, I wanted to be called Paulina after Paul, <laughs> a girl version of it. Um, I, I just, I didn't care about dating. I didn't care about anything else except just serving God. And I remember waiting after college and just waiting uh, after um, high school and just waiting to hear from him, like, where do you want to send me, Lord? Specifically tell me. And not hearing anything specific. So I got really discouraged and said, okay, this must be an old, you know, passion or, you know, childhood dream or whatever, like, I just let it go. And then I, once my mom suggested that I should do nursing, and to give back story again, my mom is, you know, immigrant who is very practical about, you know, hey, we're here in America for an opportunity. So you want, how are you going to pay your bills if you're going to be a missionary? You know, Paul was a tent maker. She, I remember her telling me that specific story, you know, what she is, what's going to be, yeah, what's going to be your thing? Because you're going to, you're not going to be out there broke and a missionary. Because I kept, she kept asking me, what do you want to say? And I'm like, missionary, I'm going to be a missionary. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, but uh, <laughs> how are you going to pay for the bills? So, you know, I went to nursing school and nursing school was super crazy and hard. And I just thought, Lord, I'm going to serve you through nursing school because I almost didn't make it several times. But so I just thought that was it. Like, I finished nursing school and that's it. That's my that's my ministry. But then it still wasn't fulfilling. Hmm. Um, and so I still had kind of a heart for it. But I was like, no, nothing really happened when I was young. So I don't think anything's going to happen now. Um and then trying to get back into being active again in the ministry and feeling very much like, no, don't worry about it. It's it's too late. You know, there's there's a church camp that I go to every year. And me and my youth group, when I was in the youth, they, we pretty much started out up the youth ministry part, like literally like wrote the bylaws and everything. Wow. Like, And I was trying to go back and volunteer at the same place. And one of the leaders were really cool. He was... He was there, and I, I showed up last minute, and so part of it is my fault. And I said, hey, what can I do? What can I do to help? And he said, no, you're too late. Don't worry about it, you know. And he was joking with me, but it really was like, okay, you know, like maybe this was an old thing. Like right. just, I need to go find something else and and see what what else I'm supposed to do with my life and just feeling like, 
or maybe am I done? That was my ministry. Is this is this it? Mm. You know, is this it about life? And and you know, am I done with my purpose? Right. There was a couple words that obviously Eric said. Um, I think affirming the evangelist preacher, affirming um, the adventurer spirit in you. What what did it do for you to hear that though? Did it, did it mean that you needed to change your career? You know, kind of. What is? How, how are you processing all that? I don't know. <laughs> the 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 short answer is I don't know. I mean, um, the long answer is for sure. I need to just like listen and see what God wants me to do specifically. I think that as far as being an adventurer, you can easily and I have let it become my God for mm. sure. Um, you know. Um, there's times where I look up online about my next trip, you know, and not to reach out and evangelize, but just because I want a new adventure. And there's times, random times, I look at tickets, airlines, and what's on sale, and where can I go next, and what else have I seen? And that, again, goes back to, like, the fact that I've seen everything. And I was even sharing with Jamal, like, what is the point of life? You know, mm. I've seen everything. And, like, you go to the beach, the most beautiful beach, and you see it, and it's beautiful. And you're like, okay, it's beautiful. And then what, you know? And so I, I was at a point where You got to see the next beach. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, and feeling like that and realizing when this prophecy came and spoke into my life, it was like there was a purpose and a reason for you. You know what I mean? It's That's not fulfilled yet. And it's not mm. done yet. It's not just about this part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of from a, a, an outside perspective, uh, I actually remember that conversation really well where Miriam was just kind of talking about how she felt a lack of purpose, how she'd seen everything and asking me, did I ever feel that way? Kind of like life is over. And I remember being kind of discouraged and heartbroken that she would feel that way. For one, her. For her. Yeah. Uh, and two, that I didn't have, you know, I, I gave her some words, but I didn't feel like I had the answer for her. Uh, and that actually wasn't very long ago. So it was just, I just wanted to share that. It just, wow. it speaks to how God moves. I mean, he gave her that no more than what, a week and a half after that conversation, which is like precisely what she needed. Wow. Um, so it's, it's just, uh, it's amazing. Um, but I wanted to ask Miriam one question and kind of turn it to you as well is, I know there was a part of your, your prophecy that you felt was unfamiliar, uh, that didn't resonate, that you were kind of confused by. And I talked to a couple other people at the encounter night um, that kind of felt that same way that maybe they got something that they didn't totally feel or feel familiar with and they didn't know how to receive it. Um, could you just share that part? Because I, th- I think it's important. Um. Um, yeah, I, g- I guess there was several parts that I had question over. I mean, even now, like, what does he mean? He said, you know, I'm commissioning you go. And I'm like, okay, where am I going? Where exactly am I supposed to go? Um, so, of course, specifics of certain things I'm confused about um, and don't know the answer to. Um, I know another thing he was mentioning was about Writing, I hate writing with a passion. Um, I hate it. I don't know how else to say it. You have a passion it. for non-writing. Yes, I hate writing. <laughs> so that part really threw me off. Um, there was one thing that, you know, I met up with Shirley and China, and I was like, this has never happened to me. Like, I was like, should I Google, like, what to do with prophecy? <laughs> I don't know, because I don't know what to do. And um, another... Friend of mine in Houston, she was like, I'm very familiar with prophecies, and I need you to just like pray over the words that was spoken over you. And she kind of directed me. And surely one of the things that she was saying was that you pray and ask God what's supposed to stick sticks, and what's not supposed to stick doesn't stick. Because, you know, I don't, God is not a God of confusion. And mm-hmm. so, I, and there was so many affirming things that I just don't want to be like stuck on the things that I don't understand and be like, how come, how come, how come, how come, what, what else, what about this, what about this? 
I feel like in due time, he'll reveal things. And of course, I have to continue seeking. Don't get me wrong. But um, there was <clears throat> different things like that that I was that caught me off guard that I was like, are you sure it's me? Okay. But then it makes you question the, <clears throat> the whole thing when you start thinking about right. it. But then there were so many things that were so accurate that I can't ignore um, specifically about my passions and desires um, to serve a specific, you know, um, nation and world. And but then the orphans, I was like, wait, wait, what does that mean? Um, mother to many orphans, you know, so th there's a lot of things that in due time, I think it will reveal itself. And there's a lot of things that in due time, maybe I'll it won't stick. Right. I mean, can you can you clarify real quick for for people listening? If you were just to summarize real quick, what were the things that you felt like were spot on, and what are the things that are just like I have a question mark on them? Um, spot on would be when he talked about reaching specific type of people. Um, you know, I have a heart for Eritrean specifically, which I'm Eritrean from East Africa. It's a country for those that haven't heard of it. it used to be part of Ethiopia. Um, we got our independence in 1991 from Ethiopia. But we're still un very much persecuted. Um, there's religion persecution going on. There's political persecution going on. Um, and so because of that, there's a lot of people risking their lives to come to America. Um, there's a lot of people imprisoned unjustly. Um, so they'll, you know, if they see a church and they're way too radical for Christ, they'll arrest them. Yeah. Um, um, and so it's very random. There's no sentences. There's no, it's indefinite. My parents know a ton of ministries that, people that they've done ministry with back home that are still in prison. And they don't know if they're dead or alive. Um, and then my own cousins back home that have escaped, that have died on the way, that have drowned in the way, that have committed suicide after that because of what they faced. You know, so I, I have a really tender heart for those kind of situations. Right. Um, and so, you know. Spot I, on for the people group. Yeah. Your heart for people group. Yeah. So when he said that, I knew he was talking about Eritreans, period. You know, it, and, and part of me is like, okay, if you mean someone else, please let me know because that's just something that I've been very passionate about. I've done fundraising work with them. I've done mission work um, at the refugee centers. You know, I've done this and that and this and that, but felt very discouraged after a while. Like, am I really making an impact? And just stopped. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I know that was spot on. Um, as far as missions and wanting to go, that was definitely me as well. That was spot on. Um, being a filler, that was spot on. Um, trying to think what else um you know he spoke about me being kind of weak and ill and I'm not sure if that leads to like you know my I guess it's been a year and a half as far as like my you know I'm type 2 diabetic um and before I was diagnosed I felt miserable um and kind of I don't want to say hopeless but it was very mm. weird in my life where I felt like I don't I'm scared to sleep because I feel like I may not wake up um it just, I had a really weird body experience. And so, you know, that came into my mind when he was speaking into that as well. Um, okay. Yeah. What are some of the question marks for you? The book um, and the house. Um, so he said, what, what did he say about a book and about being a, Me being an author um, and writing, um, I, I don't think I'm a very good writer at all. Like, that's not something, people say, like, I want to write a book. And I'm like, I don't want to write a book ever like why I don't get it so that's never been my passion or desire um and then I'm um, trying to think what else that caught me off guard of course the mother to many nations you know um I was joking with I think Alana about it and I said 
you know, I'm worried about my account. And here he is talking about Mother of <laughs> Nations. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe that was more affirming than anything. But, you know, it's confusing as well because I don't know what that means exactly. Like, am sure. I supposed to adopt? Am I not? Is this, you know, what What are, again, specifics? Um, I, Again, I've never been one of those people that want to adopt either. Like, I don't know. I, I respect people that, that want to do it. Right. But I've never thought of myself as a person that wants to do that. So, like, the specifics of a lot of things that are very much um, up in the air as far as question marks for me. Okay, so, you know, just for all intents and purposes, it's about the writing. And then what does mother of many nations mean or orphans mean? So it, it sounds like, you know, to Jamal's question, what do you do with some of the uh, the words spoken that just don't make sense? I think your friend who counseled you, like, hey, receive whatever sticks and just kind of don't worry about the ones that don't is, is a good posture. I think biblically it says to test um, all prophetic words. So that's what we're doing, mm. right? There's a sense of uh, whether it's Eric giving prophetic word or we're giving a prophetic word to each other. We're always um, responsible to bring them before the Lord. Like, mm-hmm. God, which ones am I supposed to keep? Mm-hmm. And then the other part I would say is, which ones do I just need to put on the shelf for a later date? Mm-hmm. You know, I think prophetic words always work best when they affirm something God is already doing yeah. rather than it's new information that I've never heard before. And if it is new information, you don't have to dismiss it, but you also don't have to receive it as, okay, now I've got to make a complete U-turn with my life it's just okay i'm going to put on a shelf so i think the the mother of nations the orphan ones mother of orphans you can definitely put on the shelf you know maybe in the future you're doing nursing work and there's tons of orphans and you're like oh my gosh years ago this word was spoken Mm -hmm. it just affirms you're in you're in the right place Mm -hmm. you're going the right direction in terms of writing who knows you know maybe that's one of the things that okay i'll just kind of leave it by the wayside and maybe it doesn't stick or maybe in the future someone comes along and uh, helps you to chronicle some great thoughts and ideas. I I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess I have to look at all of them like that. Even being an evangelist, honestly, a lot of the things I was writing in my journal that night, and it was full of questions. Sure. And one of the things that was really nice and affirming was um, he talked about Gideon. He said, you were like Gideon. That was that says, like, how, you know, like, how is this possible? And I was like, let me go back and read about it. And so I was reading about how the Lord called Gideon to a specific task, and he tested him. He tested God over and over to make sure that it is God that spoke to him. And God wasn't like, I'm offended. You know, right. he – like did some amazing work like um i can't remember specifically but it was like an angel that brought fire you know like that's just like clearly this is god and then he asked him again you know about the whole um wedding a uh, uh, kind of a rag versus- oh the fleece yeah yeah at the, at the door like would there be dew on it next day would there be no dew absolutely and he did it three times right three times and i'm just like okay clearly the first sign was god and yet you made him do it three times you know <laughs> and i don't know it just made me feel better because right. a lot of a lot of it was and still is as i'm processing this i'm very blessed by it don't get me wrong but as i'm processing it there's still a lot of like okay god is this really you and if so can you can you continue lead me in specifics and can i make sure that it is you that's spoken to me right um and so um just in reading those things and being able to relate that our God is still the same God that spoke to Gideon in the same way. And Gideon was human, and in our humanness, we do question God, and God's not offended by that. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I, a lot of reassurance from that. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about the prophetic that I hope you got out of this, would love to hear from you, is when we hear prophetic words, I often go, God, you really know me. Mm. Or it just affirms that I'm seen, I'm heard, 
and that I'm not somehow, you know, it's like God loves everybody. Does he love me specifically, right? So what do you feel like, aside from the questions, what does this mean directionally or purpose-wise, what do you feel like that night just meant for you from an emotional standpoint between you and the Lord? Um, yeah, I definitely felt felt seen. First of all, I was in front of everybody. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was very, um, you know, I think I shared earlier that I, I came in there not expecting that at all. So it totally caught me off guard. And then the fact that these words that I had put away and these desires that I had put away for so long ago that he spoken to them um, was very much affirming that God still cares about me and has a purpose for me and has a plan for me and there's a reason why he's still letting me live. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't want to end my life. I, I do. I am thankful for the privileges that I have where I have it. But it, it you know, just it affirms my purpose um, and where I am and that um, God still wants to show me more, you know, and Weirdly enough, I was, well, it's not weird, but I was listening to an interview of um, Michelle Obama, her book, Becoming, Mm -hmm. and she was being interviewed by Oprah, and and Oprah was like, you know, why did you title it Becoming? And she said, because you're always becoming something in life. It's very true. You're always, she's like, you know, when I was little, I was becoming, you know, and and I never thought of it that way, because I, as, you know, Jamal shared a couple weeks ago, I was like, I'm done becoming. You know, I've seen everything. I've done everything. It's like the Ecclesiastics, you know, like what's I've seen everything. That's great. That's good. I've seen the worst of circumstances. Now I'm done kind of thing. But we constantly are becoming in, in front of God and becoming more like him. And that affirmed that was affirmed to me that night. Like, OK, you are becoming more and more, you know, that I haven't forgotten about you, that I called you specifically. And when he said again that I came specifically and stopped this program for you to speak to you, it was just yeah. like, stop. Like I, every time I listened to this recording over and over again, I would cry at that part <laughs> over and over again because I was like, oh, my gosh, like he he really is a personal God. Yeah. You know, he's not like this general God that gives right. this general message to everybody. He cares about specific people. I remember him praying over someone else and he said, I know it's hard for you to make decisions. You have a lot of anxiety, but, you know, God is going to use that. Like everything he's saying that, that the world means in a negative way, that God is going to use even, you know, in our anxiety and in our fear and in our everything that we're that annoys other people, you know, that God can use that. And, yeah. you know, as he was speaking those words into my life about me being a filler and all this stuff, I was like, wow, just really affirmed that God cares specifically about Miriam and Absolutely. where she's at. And Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Um, and, and I think just the picture that, you know, for those that maybe come into a night-like encounter feeling like, well, I didn't get a word like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's God showcasing one person to show that he cares about everyone the same way, even if a person didn't get a specific prophetic night that particular night, that he cares just the same for everybody. Mm. You know? What was really nice was, sorry, that um, I remember people like Shirley coming up and Shina coming up and saying, wasn't that spot on? Like, I'm so happy for you to see that happening in your life. That was the most unselfish thing someone can say to me, you know, because I've been at other facilities or, you know, last time I had this kind of encounter was, ish, was I think when my church uh, was having kind of like a Pentecostal night and they told me to come up and- They called it a Pentecostal night? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And like, you know, I was being forced to speak in tongues and I couldn't do it. And because I couldn't do it, I felt unsaved. I felt very much like I'm not a Christian. God is sure. not using me. And my friends got to speak in tongues, and I didn't. And, 
you know, just felt very, and I remember, I don't remember going like, hey, friend, congratulations, God's, you know, allowed you to speak in tongues and he didn't allow me. Like, I didn't have that sort of like unselfishness. And so I really appreciated that about my uh, my church family, the fact that they came and just like, were happy, genuinely happy for Absolutely. me. And especially in hearing my testimony, I could hear Alana's voice when he talked about the nations, how she was so, yes, yes, like in the background. <laughs> and that made me even cry even She's more. On the recording there, yeah, yeah, because she had just heard my testimony. And, and like, I was like, oh my gosh, I just shared this with a small group and now here it is. And like, you know, God was just not only speaking to me, but I think he also had me share my testimony a couple of months ago so that they know that this right. is what I was fighting and struggling with and finding my purpose and telling them, I think my testimony ended with something like, I'm still trying to find my purpose. Thank you very much. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know. It was just encouraging. I feel like for me, yes, but I could definitely see the encouragement through other people. For sure. For sure. Jamal, you had some other questions for us or either for Miriam or for myself, or did you want to share anything? No. Yeah. I kind of had one. I thought she hit on an important point is that you know people come to prophecy sometimes looking for answers and you in getting them you they lead to other questions mm-hmm. um, so I'm just going to ask kind of for your your wisdom and guidance in terms of maybe people that receive a word you know maybe it's affirmation maybe it's revelation um, where do they go from there yeah i think there's a um, gosh I, i'm trying to think of an analogy when i was very new to this i think we can come into it with skepticism or we can come to it as someone just eager to receive. And and I don't know if one way feels um, like naive, but I, I have found that eager to receive is completely better because it just you're just open to whatever God wants to say to you. So I've been in multiple places, whether it's a life group environment or whether we've gone somewhere to a conference or there was a prophetic guy came in and just prayed over you. There's just that sense of hunger and openness to go, God, whatever you want to give me, that's just a healthy posture, in my opinion. And so when people speak words, most of the time, it's just affirming the work that God's done in your life, right? Like I shared with you, Miriam, the sense that God knows me and he's affirming my uniqueness is huge. Mm -hmm. If you got that every day, I think we'd feel so much better, but then there are probably some directional things at the same time. So when we come with a posture of eagerly receiving, I think we're able to to eat of it much better. Mm. And I think we it's it's not that it's not that the questions are not important. They are important, but I feel like we're able to balance them better. So for for example, in this particular uh, scenario with with Eric speaking over you, I, I think as you described it, uh, I'm just going to make up a number here. Something like, you know, 90% of the stuff he was saying was spot on, mm. and there were 10% that you may have some questions about. But I think you were able to receive the 90% and then the, the, the 10%, they're just questions, but they don't or they shouldn't be the the um, the focus for you. It's like, I'm just going to receive the 90%. That is like, wow, that strengthened my being, mm-hmm. that fueled purpose again, identity. Mm-hmm. And then the 10%, you just kind of put it on the shelf for the future. Like, oh, I don't know what that was about, right? Yeah. I think that's a healthy posture. Um, now, it's really different if... 90% of it was like, I have no clue what that was about, right? So hopefully when we're walking out in the prophetic, we're, we're getting some sense of affirmation. Um, but I think it's just healthier to come with an open posture to to be eager to receive and to be eager to be thankful about it. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for spending that time. Um, rather than coming in with a heart of skepticism, because I think that's, mm-hmm. the, the prophetic isn't this separate category. It's just God's interaction with us, right? I think it's healthy to have an interaction with God where whether it's worship, whether it's studying the Bible, 
whether it's just prayer or the prophetic, I just want to have an eagerly hungry, open posture to God, receive whatever he wants to give to me. And I think when we train ourselves to do that over and over again, um, you know, I want to share about this real quick. So, um, cause I know this is a question that some people have, I'm just kind of piggybacking on your question. Um, there were a few people at encounter night, maybe more than a few that felt like there was a barrier, like a wall, or there was just something holding them back. And I have found that to be, um, true for a lot of people. I think there are some people that are just like, there's no barrier. They're able to engage God well. But I've also found like there's there's walls or barriers for some people to really completely engage God. I've wrestled with that through my life. I mean, I have a worshipful heart, so I'm able to engage God. But when it came to things of the supernatural, like the prophetic or even tongues or things like that, I felt there was a barrier. And I, I've been able to identify that barrier for myself, which is why I gave that teaching in the beginning of the night. That mm-hmm. teaching, again, uh, for those who weren't there, was just this posture from Luke 11 of asking receiving and knocking and i talked about how um there are just these active verbs Mm -hmm. there's there's not just an active verb of asking but there's an active verb of receiving receiving is active so you ask and then you have to receive right god said jesus says you'll receive uh uh seek and you'll find right and that's why i said when you find something you're not just like wow i found it and you toss it aside you find it and then you enjoy the thing that you found whether it's a person or an item right so that's an active of I'm going to seek after God so that I can enjoy him. And then finally, there's a knock. If you knock, the door will be open. It's really weird if someone opens the door and you just stand there, right? So there's an active verb of I need to step in. And I think that's the barrier I describe. It's it's somewhere between, for some people, it's between the asking and receiving. Mm-hmm. Or it's between the seeking and finding, enjoying. It's like they're seeking, but they can't enjoy it. It's, it's somewhere in the middle there is the barrier. Or from some other people, the barrier is, prior to the initial act like active verb they're not asking they're not seeking and they're not knocking they're just expecting well god you're you're just going to do it if you want to do it yeah for sure god can, can yeah. for sure he can mm-hmm. but there's a sense of um do you know who you are as a child of god that you can come before royalty because you're also royalty mm-hmm. right and i think god wants to break through this i was just going to call it an, an insecurity barrier mm-hmm of people not knowing who they are. And mm-hmm. so um, when we talk about trying to understand um, how God moves and how to receive prophetic words, I, I want to help people have this kind of going after God posture that is healthy and is lighthearted and is not of skepticism because that skepticism, even though there's a healthy component of skepticism that has saved us in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not helpful when we come before God. It doesn't allow us to receive fully and it doesn't allow us to ask and receive or to seek and enjoy and then to knock and actually step in. There's the knocking, God opens the door, and we're just kind of awkward and going, cool. And we don't actually step in. And I think mm. that's where a barrier can be. And so when it comes to the prophetic, how to receive prophetic words, let's step in. Let's enjoy what God has. And for the things we don't understand, we still we, we, we have question mark, we put on the shelf, but with a smile. Mm-hmm. Right. And just going, thank you, God, for for moving in my life. I, I don't know if that's helpful, but those are some thoughts <clears throat> I have. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. For me being like, like I said, churched all my life, there's a sense of people that have been churched most of their lives. A sen- like a lot of my friends that I grew up with, they were at one point or another, God has disappointed them in a way, you know, whether they prayed for a miracle and it didn't happen and they were right. so sure. You know, I have a girlfriend of mine that was 
again, <clears throat> going to missions, and she went on a mission trip, and she said, I asked specifically that I would see a miracle, and God did not give it to me. And for a long time, she just was like, I don't believe in God, you know? Sure. Um, and, and so I think some of it comes from the previous experiences of what Absolutely. they've had. Absolutely. And then not knowing that our God doesn't have, you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, my ways are not your ways. Like, I don't know if I can take credit for anything that happened that night. I wasn't, I mean... I don't know. I, w- I was coming into, again, with no expectations. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just coming there and I was like, oh, I'm going to learn. And yes, Lord, speak to me. But it wasn't, I, I-, I don't know. I-, I feel like sometimes as Christian, we just get jaded. Like, yes. oh, yeah, I prayed for that already. Like, that already happened. I don't want to pray for it again. Right. So yeah, don't... it's kind of the, the guarding of the heart can be a barrier, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've seen that happen, too. And I think I've, I've gone through my own versions of that, too. Um and just asking God, what was that about? You know, I think it's helpful to have the discernment of people around us. Um, when we were, uh, you know, there were people who, when we did our trip to Germany two years ago, um, our, our first team had seen God move in some really powerful ways. The first person who prayed for healing actually got healed. Um, the we saw the miraculous in like in cell phone coverage. If you you know, I mean, it was like super spotty. We couldn't hear anything, and then we got a translator on the phone and just crystal clear cell coverage. And then after the translation was done, it just cut off. Mm. I mean, stuff like that. That mm-hmm. it's like God's moving, right? I have a lot of friends who were at Epicenter Pasadena who saw a lot more healing stories than we did, right? And so, I think the part that we do is we 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 tend to compare to, yeah, right. And it's like no, God wants to do what He wants to do. Um, the way he wants to do it. Right. And so it's balancing that, man, I really want to see a miracle, but I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've had to counsel people through is, so, um, because this has become a big thing, especially for a younger generation, um, when we're saying, hey, let's move out in the supernatural, it starts to become about us. Like, I want to see a miracle, but did God want to do a miracle, right? And at some point, it, what God wants to do has to be greater than what I want to see. And that if he doesn't want to move in a miracle, that it doesn't affect our hearts, right? And we go, but God, you're still God. You still move in the miraculous, and I'm still going to believe for the miraculous. But I think here's here's the key point, that the pressure is on God. The pressure is not on ourselves. I think, I think we can make that mistake. So even if you put the pressure on God, okay, God, you're going to do a miracle. It's all on you. But if the pressure is really on him, then we won't actually get disappointed when it doesn't happen. Because mm. we'd say, okay, that's just not something you wanted to do. I don't need to feel disappointed about it, right? I can be secure and move yeah. on. I think the key word being, I feel secure mm. regardless. It'd be nice to see it, obviously, but it doesn't affect kind of my 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 pursuit. So um, that the father of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber, um, said he prayed for a thousand people before he saw his first healing. I, I just can't imagine. I mean, I don't know if that's a literal number. Say, yeah, did he count it? Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, hyperbole in a in a preaching sermon. Uh, you know, <laughs> I prayed for a thousand people. I'm sure lots of people, but I think I I know that journey of day after day praying for people right. and just going, I don't see it. Yeah. And so then we start to question our theology. Right. Does this actually exist? Yeah. And then of course we get ground. We're like, of course it exists. God heals, and they're like, so is there something defective about me? Then we start questioning ourselves. And mm-hmm. so this this is where the battle is. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us have to have their own journey. I've had my own journey mm-hmm. about that. I've shared about it. I think what we have to come to reconcile is, God, you do move in miraculous. You call me to pursue them. And I'm not going to get tripped up 
when that doesn't happen. Yeah. And I'm going to celebrate it when it does happen. Yeah. And it's just really at the end of the day, just being secure in who you are and who God is, is and that yeah. it doesn't, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. No. You know, it's, and we, we yeah. attach a lot of things to, to God moving the miraculous or not moving in the miraculous. Go ahead, Jamal. I just want to do a shameless plug. I think it was episode four of this podcast. <laughs> it was during the World of Wonder series, and we talked a lot about signs and miracles. Mm. Um, and of course, the, the famous story of Elijah. God revealed Himself to, to him in different ways. Uh, you know, as a as a bursting flame and as a whisper, and good. on God's time. Um, so that's that's a really good episode to go back to for I think more delving into awesome. that about signs and wonders. <laughs> just wanted to throw that plug out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Miriam, we we thank you for joining us. We've all kind of been blessed, uh, really, by your word, and um, I hope anyone listening has been blessed, whether you've received a word or, or whether you haven't. Um, you know that God sees you um, and and is moving, and uh, so we thanks for joining us here, episode in West LA.